Good morning, Converge Church. Come on, everybody, up on your feet. Are you guys ready for worship? Come on, I can't hear you. Are you ready for worship? No one, no one, no one. 
And who else can answer? Answer by fire, by fire. No one, no yeah, one, yeah, no yeah. one. And who else can bring down the tallest of giants? No one, no one, no one. And who else can silence the roar of the lion? No one, no one, no one. And who else is worthy, worthy of worship? The shadow may surround us. We will fear no evil. We're gonna trust in the Lord. With our hearts and in your joy, we will. Come on, do you believe that? Joy is coming. Everybody clap. Yeah. 
Lord is right beside us. Oh yeah, we will not be. And though the shadows surround us, I can't think no evil. We gotta trust in the Lord. With our hearts in your joy. with me your light can drown our darkness and bring our joy to life we won't submit to sorrow our joy is coming in the morning come on how many of you believe that yeah yeah in the morning yeah sing your light can drown our darkness and bring our joy to life we won't submit to sorrow our joy is coming in the morning in the morning Oh, come on, let's do that again Sing your light And bring our joy to life. 
remind me I know my joy is Oh, praise to you, Lord, yeah. I know my joy is coming. Yes, joy is coming. Come on, somebody lift up a shout in the room. For a God that is more than able. Yes, God, yes, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Your joy is on the way. I don't know what it is that you're going through. But everybody's going through something. But how many know, like Zion said, weeping may endure for a night. Hallelujah. But night has to come to an end. And your joy is on the way. Your peace is on the way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is able to do. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask a thing. Come on, lift your hands if you know that. Hallelujah. Oh, God, and we thank you for being more than able to bring us through our tests and our trials, more than able to deliver us. Hallelujah. Sickness has to bow at the name of Jesus. He's more than able to deliver you. Hallelujah. He's more than able to heal you. Oh, God, we thank you for being more than able. Hallelujah. And I just want to teach you all the song real quick. We're going to go into this next song. It's called More Than Able. How many know that God is more than able? Come on, lift your hands. Can I get somebody to testify that our God is able to do more than we can ever think, more than we can ever ask? Hallelujah. So you don't have to stay where you are because he's more than able to bring you out of that valley. He's more than able. Hallelujah. So I want you to repeat after me. The song goes like this. It says, you are more than able. Come on. This is the second part. This is the second part. You are more than able. Can y'all sing that right quick? Come on, let them hear you. Let the Lord hear you say. You are more than able. Come on, worship team, help them sing it. Sing, you are more than able. You are more than able. are more than able. That's right. You're singing it to him. You're letting him know that you believe in his word. Sing you a more. You are more than able. All right. I think they're ready then. All right. I think they're ready. Hallelujah. Come on and lift your hands all over the building. We're going to decree and declare this today that our God is more than able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Hallelujah. Lift your hands as a sign of agreement that you believe that he can do it. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. How can I start to believe that you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? Come on, sing that verse one more time. How can I start to believe that you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? Hallelujah. Seen the course right here, right here. You are more than able. 
Sunday morning, they made the commute from Waxahachie to Plano before God blessed us with this paid-off, multi-million dollar notable miracle. Was it late last year, Guy, Connie? It was January 1st. Why don't y'all come up? Go ahead, come up. Go ahead, because you got to testify. There's somebody in this room this morning who needs to hear their miracle. Who am I to deny what our God can do? Connie, bring us up to speed. January 1st, what happened? Let's go ahead and get the host mic going. Guys, you got to be active, man. Don't daydream. This is serious business. Good morning. First, I'd like to thank you guys for praying for, for us, for our family. Um, January 1st, I got a phone call that a guy was in a motorcycle accident. Our dear friend, Patrick, <laughs> called us. Um, I was out of town. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he just fell off his bike. Fast forward, they gave him, they said he probably wouldn't make it past 24 hours. 
God broke every bone in his face. He broke his neck. He broke his back. Um, had a collapsed lung, um, chest tube, all of those things. But God. Y'all see this right here? Listen to January 1st, guys. He has a TBI. Doctors were coming from different floors because they wanted to see the miracle. They could not believe the miracle. When I tell you that the Fernandez family and who the visitors and we changed that whole hospital around. They were coming to see God. It was the most amazing experience ever. Guys, miracles happen, still happen today. Miracles still happen today. Believe it. Like Pastor said, I don't know what you guys are going through. Come on. I don't know what you guys are going through. But late in the midnight hour. Yes, ma'am. He turned it around. He turned it around. He was, he's. Yeah. Yeah. Man said he's not supposed to be here. Right. Right. But God. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We have a new perspective on but God. You know how some people just walk around and just say, but God. But God. But God. But God. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you, Connie. Stay, Stay right there. Stay right there. Listen, let me reiterate what you said. Just in case you missed what you said. Every bone in Guy's face was broken. In fact, one of the first calls that went out after it happened was the call that went to Patrick, our drummer, because he was riding on a bike with one of Patrick's relatives, cousins. In fact, they were in such a remote part of the, the, wherever they were that they were, it was difficult to even get a phone signal. The care flight had difficulty even finding him. Every bone in his face broken. Neck broken. Back broken. Doctors gave him less than 24 hours. Who am I? To deny what my God, what your God can do. When you woke up this morning, you had no idea that you were coming into a house of miracles. On the second row, Perry Daniels. That God, uh, doctors had given up on. Not once. Not twice. Still standing. Listen to me. I see Dexter Jackson. I see Andrea Jackson, husband and wife, who almost at a, a week or two weeks apart. Two months to the day. Both had strokes. And they're standing in this building today without a trace. Our God is more than able. The worship team is going to lead us in that song again. And I have no idea 
what you came into this room needing. But our Bible declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 that our God is able to make all grace abound toward us. All grace. All grace. The grace to heal. The grace to restore. The grace to deliver. All grace. He is able to make all grace abound toward us. That you and I will always have all sufficiency in all things for every good work. I don't know what you need. For Guy and Connie, it was a miracle of healing. It's a miracle of restoration. In fact, the doctors didn't know if, if God would ever talk again. If he was going to see. If he was going to be in his right mind. God be sending me text messages. <laughs> in fact, the text message that I got that said they were coming to worship with us this morning came from God. Who am I to deny what our God can do? In fact, I've learned this from Pastor Wendy. She always says, don't determine somebody else's no. Don't assume from your vantage point that the answer is no. Sometimes we do that with our God. We determine God's no. And we say, this need is too great. God can't do this, so I'll stop praying and I'll stop believing. Who are you and who am I to deny what our God can do? The team is going to sing again. And listen to me, listen to me. If you have a need that only God can meet, listen to me. You better forget about the people around you. You better be desperate enough for God to move in your life. Like Bartimaeus was when everybody tried to silence him, he cried out all the more. This altar is going to be open for a few more minutes while the worship team leads us in prayer. And this altar is going to be open for you to cry out to your God. Because our God is more than able. Let's take it from the bridge. Where you talk about anything can happen with all of the faith in this room. Can we take it from there? And listen to you, listen to me. I don't know what you need. I know what I need from my God. And I know that he's more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask or imagine. Would you lead us in worship? Can you imagine, with all of the faith in the room, what the Lord can do, what the Lord can do? It's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, just let the way make it through, yeah, he's gonna move, he's gonna move. Can you imagine, with all of the faith in the room, what the Lord can do, what the Lord can do? It's gonna happen. Just let the way make it through. Yeah, he's gonna move. He's gonna move. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? 
With all of the faith in the room, what the Lord can do. What the Lord can do. Oh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Just let the way make it through. Yeah, it's gonna move. It's gonna move. Anything is possible. Oh yes, anything. Anything is possible. Anything. Anything is possible. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Anything. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Oh, He can do it. Anything is possible. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? chapter 7 and verse 7, ask and you shall receive. And then verse 8, he said, for everyone who asks receives. Your words, your prayers to your God. Ask and you shall receive. Ask 
and you shall receive. There it is. There it is. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication. You make your request known to God. Not the pastor praying for you. You make your request to your God. He's your father too. You talk to him. And the scripture says the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. James chapter 4, the scripture says, you have not because you ask not. The altar is open for you to pray and talk to your God. You have not because you ask not. Our God is more than able. So, Father, for these that came to the altar, Pastor Wendy and I join our faith with theirs. You've heard their request. And God, we believe that you are able, able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask or imagine. If we can think it, if we can imagine it, you are able to not only do it, but you're able to do so much more. You have no idea how many calls I got this week. People wrestling with anxiety and depression. Wanting to throw in the towel. Right here, sitting in the pews next to you. And we have a God who is more than able. Some of you need to pray for your children. Some of, need, some of you need to pray for your relationships. And our God wants to help us. He wants to give us wisdom liberally without, listen to me, without finding fault. That's what James chapter 1 says. That when we come to God with our petitions and our struggles and we need his wisdom, he will give us his wisdom liberally without finding fault, without reproach. That's the God to whom we belong. So, Father, for these who have come, I pray that you will do for them what you've done for countless others. You have done the seemingly impossible. We believe that in their lives, you will show yourself strong. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who asks, receives. Father, would you do that now? Make it so in the lives of your sons and your daughters. We don't come as servants. We come as sons and daughters to a good, good father. And you said, bad as we are, we know how to give our children good gifts. 
that if our children asked for bread, would we give them a stone? If they asked for fish, would we give them a serpent? Bad as we are, we know how to give our children good gifts. How much more? How much more will our Heavenly Father give us the things we ask of Him? Lord, would you do that in the lives of your people? Show yourself strong on their behalf. And let our God be true. And every man a liar. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Because this is where we should have, and this is actually where we will receive communion together. It is one of our traditions here at Converge Church that on the first Sunday of each month, we celebrate the Lord's table together. And let me remind you, thank you, Dexter, that Jesus, in going to the cross, died so that you and I could have abundant life. John chapter 10 and verse 10, not just for the sweet by and by, our eternal salvation, but also for the dirty right now. He wants you to experience Zoe life as God has it. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. So this morning as we receive communion together, we acknowledge the finished work of the cross. Before Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross, this is what he said. It is finished. It's the word terrelestai, which they would use when a debt was paid in full. Uh, a lot of you have rubber stamps if you're a business owner, and they stamp that invoice after you've paid it fully, paid in full. That's what Jesus said from the cross 2,000 years ago, that every debt you and I would ever owe spiritually, he paid in full. And so this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, we do so with gratitude and thanksgiving. Recognizing that he died on the cross for the salvation of our souls, but also so that we would win in life. So that we would win in life. So if you have your elements, take them now. As I pray, Father, I thank you for this symbol, this emblem of your broken body. Your word declares that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and you said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you eat it, you do so in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you. Help us to remember. Help us to never forget the cross and everything that belongs to us because of what you did on our behalf. We receive it now. Blessed to our bodies and our lives to your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Take now and eat.
scripture says on the same night Jesus was betrayed, he also took the cup and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. And as often as you drink of this cup, you do so in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for the remission, for the forgiveness of our sin. You promised to remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Lord, the psalmist said, if you marked our transgressions, if you kept an account, a record of our failures and our faults, who would stand? God, this morning we thank you that because of the finished work of the cross, we can stand before you justified, just as if we had never made a mistake. Not because of our perfection, but because of the righteousness we have in Christ Jesus. So as we drink of this cup, we receive mercy, we receive forgiveness, we receive grace. We thank you, God, that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Bless this cup now as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Take now and drink. And Lord, as we continue today's worship experience, we ask you, God, to continue to do the work, to finish the work, the good work that you have started in us. God, we believe that you're more than able. And as the songwriter said, who am I to deny what the Lord can do? We trust you now, Father to do the seemingly impossible in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Cassie, Andrea, why don't you come? Are you glad you're in the building this morning? Amen and amen. As they come, listen, I know y'all could be somewhere on your private yacht. I know some of y'all balling like that, but uh, yeah. Uh, that was prophetic in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> Uh, but you're here this morning, and where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. We're so glad that you're here, that you prioritized being in the house of God on this holiday weekend. And we trust that God will bless and minister to you right where you are. God bless you. Right. As he said, we are so happy that you're here. If it's your first time, welcome. We hope that you get to see here at Converge. You're not just coming on Sunday to check the box. Uh, we're doing life here together, so hope you got a little sense of that. We want to say hello to our, our uh, VFAM online if you're streaming in as well. Hopefully it was just as much of a blessing online as it was here in this room. If it is your first time, I believe we have a QR code you can scan. We'd love to get your information to keep you connected with what's going on here at Converge. We would also love to meet you after. Um, our pastors will be in the Welcome Center. They would love to shake your hand, hug your neck, get to know you. Uh, we will also be out there with guest services. You'll see us with little gift bags. It's just our way of saying thank you for joining us. So come meet us after service. Also, if you're not already following us on social media, at We Are Converge, that is how you can stay plugged in with what's going on here at Converge. So make sure to follow us, like, add your pictures, tag us. I completely forgot to bring my phone up here, but we are, oh, look at you, you did not. We're also doing a selfie challenge. So if you haven't done it yet, take your phones out, take a selfie with your family, friend, neighbor. Oh, I just did something wrong. Oh. 
And then you tag us at We Are Converge. Mention us. We'd love to like on it. Tell people how much you love your church. Uh, we'd love to see your pictures out there. And then also, if you have a student, middle school or high school, they are meeting back in The Verge every second and fourth Sunday of the month. They are having a great time. Bring their friends from school. Bring their friends from the neighborhood. The students are having an awesome time back there. Again, second and fourth Sundays. If you have a middle school, high school student, bring them out. They are having a blast. We've been hearing great things from them. Sometimes it's hard to keep kids entertained outside of a screen, and they are managing to do it. So shout out to our Converge students, uh, ministers, mi ministry. Um, they're having a great time, so make sure to bring them out. I think that's it for me. Thanks, Cassie. And we also want to make you guys aware of a few um, upcoming events. The first one being our second Converge Net Gathering is going to take place on Sunday, July 16th, immediately following Converge Worship. I hear a few claps. Yes, we can clap for it. So if you're new here and you want to know what ConvergeNet is, it is a place where uh, self-employed, underemployed, those in transition, those leading large organizations, where all of us can gather as Christ followers and connect in a forum about the marketplace. So if you are interested in joining us, everyone is welcome. There is a small cost involved. It's $15 and it is for a boxed lunch. And then also childcare is available, but the childcare is at no additional cost. So we've got a QR code on the screen. If you want to join us, register. That will help you register. It'll give you also the link to make the payment. But go ahead, join us on Sunday, July 16th for our second Converge Net Gathering. I promise you won't be disappointed. And then the next one is to save the date. On Sunday, August, Saturday, August 5th. Can everybody say that with me so I can make sure I got it right? Saturday, August 5th, we will be partnering with Above All Things for our Backpack to School Outreach. Those of you that have joined us before, you know that this is a huge event. It is a major blessing to our elementary, middle, and high school students that are underserved in the local communities. And what we will be doing is distributing backpacks filled with school supplies. There will also be an opportunity for those of you who would like to, to serve with us. So the event itself typically starts about 11, but we'll get here about eight in the morning. We'll set up, we'll assemble backpacks, we'll distribute the backpacks, tear down, clean up, all that good stuff, but it is an amazing day and it helps us fulfill the ministry part, the missions and outreach part of our purpose that we have here at Converge. It's one of the ways that we do that. So mark your calendars. We'll have more information on how you can sign up to serve and or how you can donate toward uh, the backpacks, but mark your calendars Saturday, August 5th. That is what we'll be doing. All righty. Thank you guys so much. And Pastor Jesse's coming up next. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Converge Church. Thank you so much for coming. We're so excited to see you. I want to re remind you of a couple of verses. The Apostle Peter wrote in one of his epistles. He said, although I know you already know this, let me remind you. That's what he said. The Apostle Paul also said in some of his writings, he said, I know you guys already know this, but I'm going to tell you again. Let me tell you something. His name is Jesus this morning. Let me remind you that he's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? So let me remind you this morning that we get to honor God with 
everything that we own. That's what we get to do. You know, I don't count myself to have apprehended everything. I don't know it all. I could miss the mark. The Bible says I forget those things that are behind me and I press toward the mark. So we all have missed it sometimes. But the Bible teaches us forget those things and press. To, I'm telling you, press toward the mark today. Be thankful that God has blessed you in the ways that he's blessed you. And just thank God. Amen. So. If you want to bless the Lord this morning and you're giving, if you need an envelope, please raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. We certainly appreciate it. Also, you can give by texting 77977 and you can text give. You can also give by using your cash app. You can also give by Zelle. Make sure you use the church accounting email, which is accounting at weareconverged.com. Amen. Are you ready to bless the Lord? Let's bow our heads and thank God for our offering today. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. God, we miss the mark. God, we don't always do it just right. God, we all need help. We thank you, God, that you're always with us and that you forgive us and that you lead us and that you guide us. Bless us this morning as we give to see the kingdom of God expanded. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross by your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for it as you bless our offerings today as we give our first and best. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're so glad you joined us for our worship experience this morning, all of you in person, but all of you joining us online virtually, our VFAM, as we like to refer to you. Make sure you drop a comment in the chat. Stay engaged with our team that's connecting with you virtually. We wish you could be here, uh, but I know you will make your way here soon whenever you can. Let me acknowledge some special guests with us this morning, all the way from Harvest Olney. Uh, it, I'm sorry, Harvest Houston. Uh, my dear friend Bishop Musa Kofé is the pastor of Harvest Houston, and uh, we've got a couple of his members here visiting. Uh, for the first time. Again, if you're a first-time guest, we also want to say thank you so much uh, for making us a part of your weekend worship experience, your weekend plans. We are honored that you are here. This is not original with us. We stole it from Olive Garden, but we really believe that when you're here, you're family. Amen. 
We really believe that that is heartfelt. Uh, let me reiterate a couple of things that uh, Andrea and Miss Cassie shared. Uh, this is something that is a core value for us. Uh, the way we say it is we live with an open hand, not a clenched fist. So you'll hear us often talk about uh, opportunities to serve the community. Uh, and, and so the Backpack to School outreach is a big deal for us. Uh, last year, uh, we served over 235 families, right? Over 235 families. And it wasn't just backpacks, right? It was, it was we did 500. We did 500 pre-packaged. These weren't empty backpacks. These were backpacks that were filled with school supplies, and y'all made it happen. We're going to do it again this year, uh, and we're going to serve these, these, uh, these families, these underserved families in our community as we partner with Above All Things. Amen? And uh, you'll get some additional information about how you can partner with us to make that uh, possible. Uh, as always, we need servant leaders. We need people to come out to volunteer, to, uh, 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 to set up, to tear down, and to serve the families. But it is a community-wide affair. In fact, it wasn't just above all things. We also partnered with what's called the uh, Baby Booties Bank, and they were giving out uh, diapers, uh, thousands of diapers, hygiene kits, wipes, et cetera, et cetera. It happened here last year. We're going to do it again. And one last thing I'm going to say, just again, about your generosity and embracing this idea of living with an open hand, not a clenched fist. Uh, uh, our uh, towel drive, the goal was 500 towels. Uh, we exceeded that. We more than doubled that. What was the last count, uh, Miss T. Ross? 1,067 towels to serve our brothers and sisters currently experiencing homelessness here in Collin County. That's the kind of church that God has called us to be. Uh, so when we say Jesus people purpose, we mean that because in scripture we find that everywhere Jesus was, he was loving and serving people and pointing them to their God-ordained purpose. And we've said it here before that as a church, we wanna be more than just good Samaritans we want to make the whole Jericho Road safe. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? And so these are the things that we're going to do intentionally, deliberately, and strategically. Without further ado, uh, let's dive into the Word together. I'm going to pray, and then we will continue with what is now week six. Yeah, of our current, yeah, 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 of our current sermon series uh, that we're calling Fruition. Listen, Pastor Wendy knocked the ball out of the park. Last Sunday, incredible message about joy, this idea that joy is more than a feeling. Amen? Uh, I think every single day we live, you and I have the choice to rejoice. Paul writes to the Philippian church, and he says, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. He says, rejoice in the Lord when life is good. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, again, I say rejoice. The irony in Paul's words is that he's writing to a church that is free physically, but he's in prison. And from his prison, he's telling people who are outside and free, make the daily choice to rejoice. Can I put that in perspective for you? I, I, I saw this reel, and there was this, this business coach, and he, was, he had this Zoom call with these two, this young man and this young lady, and he said, uh, what if I gave you a million dollars right now? Free, no strings attached. What would your response be? And they talked about how excited they would be, and they talked about all the things that they were going to do. 
He said, what if I gave you this million dollars? And then he said, or even $10 million and told you, you're not going to wake up tomorrow morning. Would you still accept the million dollars or the $10 million? And they all said, absolutely not. And this is what he said. He said, so what you're saying then, waking up tomorrow morning is more important than anything you could achieve or amass today. So we didn't think of it that way. We don't think of the fact that there's breath in our lungs right now as a big deal. But even if we had all the wealth in the world and understood that tomorrow we wouldn't be here, we would exchange all the wealth in the world for another day. No matter what your day might look like. Simply being alive and having breath in your lungs is enough to make the choice to rejoice. All right, listen to what I'm saying. We think that money fixes everything. The truth is, there are certain things, many things that are more important than our earthly achievements and accomplishments. But I digress. We are in week six of our current sermon series called Fruition. We've been navigating this, this, uh, this journey in Galatians chapter 5 beginning at verse 16, where Paul makes this contract, contrast, he makes this distinction between the life in the flesh and the life of the Spirit, uh, where we bear the fruit of the Spirit. This is week six, and I'm going to pick up uh, where we left off, which is in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Uh, do we have that in the uh, Passion Translation? Do we have that handy? So I can read that quickly. Okay, one moment, it's going to be up. But this is what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5. He says, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is first of all love, then joy, then peace. And today we're going to talk about patience. Are you ready for this? Listen to me, I don't know if you've, you've, you have young kids or, or your kids were once young and now they're adults, and maybe when they were young, you guys planned vacation, and it just so happened that you decided to take a road trip. And if there's a parent in the room who's ever been on a long, extended road trip with their children, there is a recurring question that you have heard them ask, more than once, they ask it repeatedly, they ask it nonstop, and that question is, are we there yet? Uh, it'd be so easy for us to be critical of our kids because of their uh, desire to arrive at the destination, but guess what? We're just as guilty in how we respond to God. Indirectly, we ask God the same question. God, are we there yet? In fact, as adults, this is how we rephrase the question. God, when are we going to get there? Uh, the truth is, Abraham wrestled with that question for 25 years. Because he had a promise when he was 75 that wasn't fulfilled until he was 99 or 100 years old. 
Now, Joseph wrestled with that same question, are we there yet? Because God gave him a dream when he was 17 that didn't come to fulfillment or fruition until he was 30. A 13-year wait. Uh, well, well, what about David, who was anointed king at 16? And for the next 14 years, he was on the run. It's a frustrating thing sometimes to, to have the promise from God and have to wait for the fulfillment of the promise. And as I was praying and preparing, uh, I felt impressed of the Lord that uh, there were a few people who have been asking that question. Lord, are we there yet? Or Lord, when are we going to get there? And we're going to examine what the scripture says about these seasons of waiting. And I think this message is fitting, this conversation about patience is necessary uh, because July 2nd is the middle of the year. This is day 183. We have arrived today at the halfway point, the middle of 2023. And I played sports long enough and I observed sports long enough to recognize that what you do at halftime can shift and alter the trajectory of the game regardless of what your first half looked like. Your halftime is when you make mid-course corrections. You make adjustments. You say, that didn't work, but this is what we're going to do next. Halftime is when you imagine new strategies and new approaches. And you've heard me say this before, most time in life we don't fail because of a lack of effort. Our failure is usually because of the wrong approach. And on day 183 of 2023, the Lord sent me here to tell you it's halftime. And the precarious thing about halftime, the difficulty about being in the middle is you are exactly halfway between what you left and what you're going to. Meaning it's just as easy to turn around, tuck tail and run back to what is familiar, comfortable, and convenient versus taking the steps of faith forward into the unknown. It's the story again of Abraham. God says, leave your family. Leave everything you know. And this is what he says. Go to a place I will show you. Meaning that in faith, Abraham had to leave before he knew where God was taking him. That is a word for the control freaks in the building. Those of us who need to have every I dotted and every T crossed. Our invitation to live by faith and to walk by faith, it simply says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And the tension we must live in and the dilemma that we must navigate is the fact that life must be lived going forward. It can only be understood looking back. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm talking to the people who are in the middle. Hmm? Again, life must be lived. God says to Abraham, go forward 
but he doesn't understand until he looks back. Patience. Are we there yet? You know what? I, I, I really wish, I really wish life was like NASCAR. Because if you watch NASCAR, uh, the, 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 the television stations are so kind and they're so generous that in the top right-hand corner, they're going to tell you how many miles and how many laps have actually elapsed. In fact, if you drive the Indy 500, you know that you're going to be on that track for 500 miles. If you drive the Indy 500, you know you're going to be on that course, on that uh, track, for 200 laps. You know when the race starts, and you know when it's going to end. You can say to yourself, I am on lap 189, and I got 20, oh, my math, Jesus, help me. (laughs) 11, come on, had to recalibrate Almost shame Pastor Wendy and my children sitting in the back. Wouldn't that be nice, though, in life to know I just got 11 laps to go and the race is over? Unfortunately, God doesn't give us that luxury of knowing the when and knowing the how. Yet he said there's something good that we can glean from this virtue called patience. To level set expectations, this is one of our working definitions of the word patience, and I'm gonna see how many of you have been paying attention in class over the last few years. We define patience as what? Ooh, Pastor Wendy. You my biggest fan. Come on, somebody. Just in case you missed what she said, uh, the way we define patience here at Converge Church is patience is learning to move at somebody else's pace. Uh, if you've ever had date night. I feel threats and intimidation coming from the pews right now. Fellas. We done shaved, we done showered, we dressed. And we have heard for about the 14th or 15th time. I'm ready. So you take the keys, fellas, and you go to the car. Because when you hear I'm ready, you assume that Y'all ready? So you go to the car, and you sit in the car. For about a minute, that becomes five. That becomes ten. And then you text. And you're like, are you ready? And the response is, what? Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) And you wait another five minutes, and so it goes on and on. But guess what? Ain't nobody leaving. Until everybody in the car. 
And men, we learn a valuable lesson in what? Patience. Because patience is learning to do what? Move at somebody else's feet. And all the men in the room said, dilly, dilly. Ooh, wow, y'all skirt. Ah! I only had one single guy say dilly, dilly. All the married men sitting next to their wives like, come on, doc. Let, let's try that one. No, no, let me leave that alone. May I also submit to you that sometimes biblical patience is learning to move at God's pace. I would rather have it now, yet God says, you're not ready for it now. And so there is almost this redemptive thing that happens. It is the goodness of God, the kindness of God, and the mercy of God that forces him to cause us to wait. And in the process, we learn to move at God's pace. So look with me quickly at our second anchor text, which is James chapter number one, and I'll begin reading at verse number two. Notice the words of James. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Notice, he says, make the choice to rejoice when you're confronted with trials and adversity. He says, reframe what you are going through. And the language he uses in the Greek is an accounting term. He says, reconcile what you're going through as a win, not a loss. He says, rethink all of your troubles, all of your trials, all of the delays, all of the detours, and don't put it in the red column because it's not a deficit. Put it in the black column because it's actually a win and a gain. In fact, here at Converge Church, we've taught our church that there is never a win-loss proposition in life. It's always win-learn. And because life is a win-learn proposition, there are never losses if we will learn the lesson of adversity. And may I submit to you that God is so committed to us learning the lesson that he will cause us to take one more lap <laughs> around the same mountain, Israel, 11 to 21 day trip that took you 40 years because you didn't learn the lesson the first time. And you wonder why you're still in the same place. It's like you can't go from first grade to second grade until you learn the lessons of first grade. And a lot of times we think we're waiting on God, and God says, I'm waiting for you to learn the lesson of this season. And so he says, count it all joy, what you're going through, meaning that good things can come out of bad situations if you will make your pain your platform, not your prison. I understand what I'm saying. Reframe your pain. And then he goes on to say this, that your trials are various. <laughs> uh, trouble comes assorted. 
uh, Levi, uh, uh, not Levi, but yeah, Levi, um, uh, maybe about a couple of months ago, I went grocery shopping. Come on, man, go grocery shopping. No, I'll say it one more time. Men, go grocery shopping. No, I'll say it one more time. Men, go grocery shopping. Men, do the dishes. Men, do the laundry. Be a blessing to your wife. <laughs> All the women said, dilly, dilly. So I went grocery shopping. And I just had this throwback, man. Because, you know, <laughs> I was going down the, uh, the cereal aisle. Come on, somebody. How many of you fellas got a giant-sized cereal bowl at the house? A couple of y'all. But then I looked on the shelf and I saw uh, the variety pack, right? Uh, where you get, like, is it eight or ten? The ten mini eight. And so I bought it, took it home, and Levi had never seen it before. He was so excited. Uh, a lot like uh, this. Anybody know what this is? I was cleaning out my car the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Levi was actually helping me clean out the car, and, and he said, Dad, do you want this? And I said, of course I want this. And he said, what is it? <laughs> this is how we used to drive across the country. Um, I'm going to use this here a little bit, but what was I talking about? Assorted, assorted. Uh, uh, James said, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Uh, and may I submit to you that there are at least three possible sources of the trouble you're going through this morning. There are trials that we experience in life that are self-inflicted. It ain't the devil. It's consequences for your bad decisions. Did y'all hear what I said? If you made a bad decision and you're blaming the devil, you're barking up the wrong tree. Start with the man in the mirror. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The truth is we're born looking like our parents. We die looking like our decisions. And there are some trials that people experience that are consequences for bad decisions. And the solution in the Bible is, if what you're going through is self-inflicted, repent. Y'all got quiet on that word, though. Because repentance says, I accept responsibility for my actions and where I am. And in Acts... I think it's chapter 3. The scripture says, repent so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Some of the stuff you're going through, this ain't Flip Wilson. The devil didn't make you do it. 
there are trials, secondly, not just self-inflicted, but there are trials that are satanic in origin. If you've ever read the book of Job, you know the origin of what Job went through. All right, listen to what I'm saying? And if what you are experiencing in your life is satanic, demonic in origin, it's not repentance. You have to resist the enemy. And that's why the scripture says in James chapter 5 and verse 8, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ah, pump the brakes. We missed the most important part. Because that verse says, therefore submit unto God. Then resist the devil. Then he's going to flee. The reason most of us are engaged in this never-ending cycle of spiritual warfare is you ain't undercover. You have not submitted your life to God. You are not undercover, and therefore, the enemy is having a field day. You have no protection. And that's why Psalm 91 says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my Fortress, my God, in him will I trust. If the origin of your trial is satanic, make sure you're undercover, under God's authority. Hmm? And the third possibility is that what you're going through is sovereign in its origin. Sovereign. You read the scriptures in Genesis chapter 22. The scripture says that God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. If he would take the thing that was most precious to him and surrender it to him. There are some tests that we experience that come to test our selfishness, and our idols. The one thing that we're unwilling to surrender to God. So James says, count it all joy when you're faced with these diverse temptations or these diverse trials, adversities of different kinds. And may I submit to you that when the trial is sovereign in its origin, God uses it not to destroy you, but to develop you. Y'all didn't hear that, did you? Christ-like character is forged in the crucible of crisis. Where does God develop us? In the crucible of crisis. Listen to me. Serving God and the life of faith doesn't make life easy. It makes life possible. And that's the problem. We've got this, this cultural Christianity that is not biblical. This cultural Christianity that says, well, if I serve God, then everything's going to be easy. Uh, ask Jesus, the Son of God. 
born in a manger, not in a palace. Meager means ultimately crucified on the cross. All the people he loved and served abandoned him in his weakest moment. Yet he was in the middle of God's will. The hard place that you're experiencing could be self-imposed, self-inflicted. It could be satanic in origin, or it could be a sovereign work of God to develop character in you, not to destroy you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? (sighs) Okay. So what do I do? If this is God at work in me, Real simple, three words, trust the process. Notice what James says next. He said, but let patience. Hey! He says, let patience. I love that word let, and I've been spending time with our interns, and we've been, uh, for two weeks, we've been talking about that word let. Because the word let means it infers what you have permitted, what you have allowed, and what you have authorized to exist, good or bad. And he says, don't push back against patience. Don't push back against what seems like a delay. He says, allow authorized patience to have its perfect work. That means don't abandon the process prematurely just because it's hard. It's not about starting the journey. It's about finishing. Walking with God is not a sprint. It's not a 100-meter dash. It is a marathon. 26.2 miles of endurance. He said, let patience have its perfect work. And where most of us miss what God wants to develop in us is because we quit prematurely. That's too hard. I'm going to find another job. That's too hard. I'm going to find another spouse. This too hard. I'm going to move to another city. The problem is wherever you go, there you are. It's weird how that happens. That wherever you go, you keep showing up. And the problem is not where you left. The problem is you brought yourself with you unchanged because you didn't allow patience to have his perfect work. You didn't allow God to complete the work of developing something in you because it got too hard. Here's the word we use. This makes me uncomfortable. We want everything our way. And because of that, we never become all that God wants us to be. We don't allow, we don't permit, we don't authorize patience to have its perfect work. Now, why is that important? It says, let patience have its perfect work. Here it is, so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. And because most of us quit prematurely, there's stuff missing. 
There's tools for life to win at life that you ought to have mastered by now, but your toolbox is missing these tools, and now all you got is maybe a hammer and a screwdriver. But sometimes life will throw things at you that require a wrench or pliers. The reason you ain't got pliers is because you didn't let patience have its perfect work. You got tired of waiting because it was so much easier to buy instant grits. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I just, I just stepped into some stuff. <laughs> is that a battle I want to fight this morning? Come on, come on, come on. Where are the people that believe that you should not ever eat grits with sugar? They said no. Okay. Right. That grits and salt, right? That, that's it. It's supposed to be savory, not sweet, right? But for those of you who know something about grits, come on, somebody. Hey! Listen, if the grits going to be right, Listen to me, if the grit's going to be right, you can't, it, it takes time. Real good grits. Not just grits. You don't want to go to Thanksgiving dinner only to discover that the entire meal that's on the table was cooked in the microwave. I heard, that, I heard your pain coming from this section. Y'all take Thanksgiving seriously over here? No, you know, if, if Thanksgiving dinner going to be good, going to take some time. And the problem is, we've brought a microwave mentality when the truth is, destiny is a crockpot process. Yeah. There's some things that just take time. There are some things in your life that are just simply worth the wait. No way around it. So he says, let patience have its perfect work. Complete the process. Trust the process because you will be complete. That word complete means mature, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing that you need for the journey ahead. And let me tell you why the journey ahead matters. There's an obscure verse of scripture in the middle of this prophetic utterance that Jesus has given. These are the words in red. But look with me at Luke chapter 21 and verse 19. It's going to be on the screen. Notice what it says. It says, by patience, possess your souls. You know why you're anxious? You know why you're frantic? Somewhere in your mind, you've decided that it's supposed to happen now. Here it is. Right. No, listen to me. The problem of where you are is you haven't learned the importance of patience, of moving at God's pace of moving at the process of the pace. Therefore, you have lost control of your soul. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Your thoughts are filled with anxiety. Your thoughts are filled with frustration. Your thoughts are filled with worry when the whole idea is 
Patience is to be the, supposed to be the thing that stabilizes your soul. Because patience will teach you to manage your expectations. So if it doesn't happen today or it doesn't happen tomorrow, you don't lose faith. How do I possess my soul? Patience. How do I take my soul back? Patience. How do I keep trusting God? Patience. Knowing that the fulfillment of the promise of God may not be immediate, but it is inevitable. Did y'all hear what I said? That's how I possess my soul. God, you gave me this promise. It hasn't happened yet. The fulfillment may not be immediate, but it is inevitable because if you said it, you will bring it to pass. That's how I possess my soul. Let me tell you how God moves. This is how God moves. Sometimes, sometimes, God moves immediately. Sometimes he'll do it immediately. Uh, We see the proof of it in Scripture, where the Scripture says God showed up suddenly on the day of Pentecost. And that's what most of us want. That's how we want God to move. We want to be like Ricky Bobby, shake and bake God. Isn't that what we do with God? If you're not first, you last. Ricky Bobby. So God, I got to be first. And what we don't realize is that God sometimes, sometimes, moves instantaneously. Often God moves gradually, but God always moves eternally. Listen to me. Sometimes God can choose to do it right now. But more often, God is a God of process and he does it gradually. But what you can rest assured of is that God will always, always, everything you and I are going through now, always God moves eternally. There's something that God is doing in you that may not have a reward on this side of eternity. But there's an eternal reward. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I shared this with our fight club, the men's ministry. Hebrews chapter 11. The first part of Hebrews chapter 11 talks about all these these men who did these great men and women who did these great exploits by faith. And you know how the chapter ends? It says, by faith, some were thrown to the lions. Some were sawn asunder. Some were burned at the stake. Hold up. That don't make no sense. Because in our minds, we think that faith only produces one outcome. That faith's outcome always has benefit for this life. When the truth is, what Hebrews 11 is teaching us is that sometimes walking by faith has a reward in the present, but sometimes walking by faith 
only has an eternal reward. I cannot measure the strength of my faith only by earthly outcomes. The true measure of faith is your obedience. Did y'all hear what I said? If faith was only measured by outcomes, the people who were sawn into, who were martyred, who were thrown to lions, never would have made it to Hebrews 11. The reason they made it to Hebrews 11 is even though the thing they asked God for didn't happen in the natural, their obedience, even unto death, even not receiving what they asked God for, gave them a place in the biblical record. That says to us, the way you possess your soul is my faith is not measured by the outcome. Whether the person was healed or not, whether the person lived or not, the measure of my faith is the ability to trust God even when I can't trace him. And until you level set your expectations, you will have difficulty possessing your soul. Because your soul will tell you, I want it now, I want it my way. And there's nowhere in Scripture anywhere where Jesus said, I'm your genie in a bottle, so rub me. He didn't say that. Ain't nowhere in the Bible where Jesus said, your wish is my command. And because of this cultural Christianity, We've lost the ability to possess our soul because we've brought our microwave mentality to a crock pot process. I'm about to let y'all go. Why? why? My wife said, by faith. Why are y'all chuckling like that? Oh, ye of little faith. What am I talking about? Oh, trust the process. Here here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, Trust the process. Uh, James says, uh, let, let, let patience have its perfect work. But what does that perfect work look like? What does that look like when I'm becoming complete and mature? I think as I close, uh, we shift from James to Peter because I think Peter helps us understand what that looks like when a person has yielded to the process of God, when they're trusting God's process in them. Uh, Pastor Jesse alluded to this when he received the offering, uh, because in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, uh, this is what Peter says. And I'm just giving you the context before I read the actual text, but notice what Peter says. Peter says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So he's saying, listen, I'm not telling you anything new. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but it's necessary to remind you because the truth is vision leaks. And so he says, listen, and and there's there's this urgency to what Peter is saying, And we know that because of what he says next. He says, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off this tent just as Jesus our Lord Christ showed me. So he said, listen, man, I ain't going to be around here much longer. 
Pastor Wendy and I have been at many hospital beds. And one of the things that I find fascinating is that when people have their family gathered around their hospital bed in their final moments, they're not talking about stuff. In their final moments, their last words matter. David Cassidy, uh, his last words, as he looked at his family around his, his hospital bed, his words were, so much wasted time. Thank you, sir. And so Peter's saying, in these final moments that I have with you, I'm a, I'll no longer be in this tent speaking metaphorically about his death. He said, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to remind you of the things that really matter. I'm not going to waste my words. In fact, Bob, I think it was Bob Marley who said some people are so rich, all they ha- I mean, some people are so poor, all they have is money. Uh-uh. Yeah, you know what I say? If all you got is money, no friends and no family, you're pretty poor. And so Peter is saying this in my final point, and it is God desires progress, not perfection. How do I possess my soul? Uh, Don't bring your microwave mentality to a crockpot party. Understand how God works, sometimes instantaneously, often gradually, always eternally. And then third thing is focus on what you're going to, not what you're going through. This is how you possess your soul. Most of us get so fixated on what we're going through We can't see what God is taking us to. Hebrews 12, 3 and 4 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him. Notice what it says. He had this joy that he kept his eyes on. Because of that joy, which was his focus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. How did Jesus get through the cross? He got through the cross not because of what he was going through, but because of what he was going to. He saw beyond the cross. And the way you and I possess our soul, third way, is we have to see what we're going to, not just what we're going through. Uh, progress, not perfection. So here's, here's Peter. And so what, what did Peter remind them of? This is what Peter reminded them of. Second Peter chapter 1, 5 through 9. He said, also, but, for also, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. This is what happens when we, when we allow patience to have its perfect work. It'll produce something in us. It'll give us these tools in our toolbox for the journey ahead. This is what Paul, I mean, Peter says. When we allow faith or patience to have its perfect work, uh, uh, we should add faith, virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add perseverance. To perseverance, add godliness. To godliness, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. For if these things are yours, 
you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. He's giving us a half-time strategy for the next season of our life. And he says, if you're going to win in the next season of your life, if you're going to come out of this huddle, if you're going to come out this locker room and your future looks better than your past, he said the first thing you got to do is add to your faith virtue. Now, this wouldn't be a big deal until you start to consider who's talking. Because for most of us, all we tell people is, have faith. Have more faith. Just believe. Just trust God. But Peter said, listen, that's just one tool in the toolbox. Why is this important? It's important because the guy who said this is the only person in all of Scripture who has the distinction of walking on water with Jesus. Peter says to Jesus when he sees him, Master, if it's you, bid me come. It wasn't Jesus' idea. Peter was so radical in his faith. He's like, now Jesus, (laughs) if that's really you, then tell me to come. Jesus responded and said, come. And Peter got out the boat and he walked on water. Now, most of us are critical about Peter because he took his eyes off Jesus momentarily, put it in a storm and saw the sea. But listen to me. I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat dweller. Yet Peter, who walked on water by faith, says, if you're going to let patience have its perfect, add to your faith, your ability to walk on water, add virtue to it. Add character to it. Because your charisma can take you places your character can't keep you. So this guy who walked on water, as he's saying, sharing his final, he said, listen, it's not only to have water walk in faith, you better have some character to go with it. And then he says, he says, don't just have character. What else did he say? He said, add to your virtue knowledge. Do you realize that what you don't know is hurting you? That's what Hosea 4, 6 says. God said, my people, not not people who don't know me. He said, my people perish. Why? For a lack of knowledge. And Peter said, listen, if there's another tool you need to add to your toolbox, don't just have mountain-moving faith. Have some character to go with it. And don't just have character. Add some knowledge to it. Be a lifelong learner. Be a lifelong learner. What else he say? Yeesh. Now, again, Peter's testimony was that he was an untrained, unschooled man, but then they realized he had been with Jesus. But notice what he says next. It's not just enough to have knowledge. He said, if you're going to win in this next half of your life, add some self-control to your knowledge. You know who's saying this? The guy who's saying this is the guy who was the first one to cuss people out. He said, yeah, I walked on water, but I had a foul mouth. And I was the first one to speak up because my opinion was always the most important one. And even though I walked on water with Jesus, I was the first one to chop people's ears 
off like bone quee quee, I will cut you. Don't give me no complicated order. <laughs> he says, add self-control. So yeah, I know you can walk on water. I know you got all this knowledge. I know you got character. Man, get some self-control in your life. Because the scripture says a man or a woman without self-control is like a city with broken down walls susceptible to attack. And this came or it's coming from a guy who had issues with anger. He's older now and he's about to die. And he's saying, don't make the mistakes I made. I don't have time. I'm going to let y'all go. But he says, add to self-control perseverance. Some translations say patience. And then he says, add to your patience godliness. And add to godliness brotherly kindness. That's where we get the word Philadelphia. In fact, the word literally translated brotherly kindness is not phileo. It's actually Philadelphia. Brotherly kindness. How are you going to get through the next season of your life when you just mean? And nobody want to fool with you. But you got mountain moving faith. And nobody will support your business. Nobody will come to your party. Nobody will accept your invitations because you haven't learned the power of brotherly kindness. Just mean. And he said, add to brotherly kindness, love. And notice what he says. If you have these things and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Neither barren or unfruitful. That's the series we're in, fruition. How do we get there? Patience. We let patience have its perfect work. And when patience has its perfect work, we'll see the evidence of these things that Peter writes about in his life. Final verse, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, don't become sluggish. Meaning sometimes waiting on others and waiting on God will wear you out. It's exhausting. And there's some of us in this room this morning got nothing left. We're running on fumes. Yet the scripture says in Isaiah 40 and 31 that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God, would you do that for your people this morning? That we would mount up with wings as eagles. That we would run, and some of y'all been running. The problem is <laughs> a lot of us know what we're running from, but we haven't figured out what we're running to. Lord, would you help us in our running? to know what we're running to. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So Hebrews 6 and verse 12 says, do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith inherit the promise. No. Who through faith and patience. How do we inherit the promise? Not only because we believed for it, 
but because we waited on it. Lord, would you do that in our lives? That by patience we would once again possess our souls. That would have peace again. Because we're managing our expectations that it may not happen now. And maybe your answer was not yet. But not yet doesn't mean no. Give us patience that endures so that we can be all that you have called and created us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody this morning? Awesome, awesome. Pastor Jesse, why don't you come and bless us out? Um, uh, make sure if, you're, if we have your contact information, man, uh, that you... Uh, check out the emails, and we'll give you some more information about what's next, especially with our Backpack to School outreach, and uh, we want to definitely serve the community there. Again, it's a phenomenal time, something we do every year, and uh, where's Pastor Jesse? Okay, and uh, why don't you stand with us? Why don't you stand with us? Uh, don't be in a hurry to leave. Man, shake a hand, hug a neck. That's brotherly kindness. Very important. And I will also encourage you, on Sunday mornings, don't just show up at 10. You miss, up, miss out on the best part of who we are as a church. Come a little bit early. We got donuts. Come on, somebody. Maybe we need to incorporate some fruit. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. We got assorted donuts. We got snacks. We got coffee. Huh? No grits. <laughs> no grits. Um, but come early, man. Meet some people. The answer to what you need might be in the atrium one Sunday morning when you least expect it. Make sure you sign up for ConvergeNet, man. We're connecting the kingdom and marketplace. In fact, a few people have already found jobs as a result of having been at ConvergeNet. Uh, so we encourage you. Yeah, yeah, we encourage you to participate in that. Listen, we love you. Guy and Connie, so good to see you this morning, man. What a miracle. What a notable miracle, Dave. God bless you, man. Love you. All right, Pastor Jesse and our dear friends from Harvest Houston, men are in the building. And listen, we got people watching from across the country and around the world. We love you. Uh, Converge Virtual Family. God bless you, Pastor Jesse. Amen. We're here today because we've gathered because we all know that we need the Lord Jesus. We all know that our walk sometimes or a struggle, uh, we all know that we can trust in God and that he will bless us and help us. And that's why we're here. We're here because we're in the hospital. Say we're in the hospital. This is the hospital where we come and we get well. Let's bow our heads and thank God for the message. Father, we thank you today for the message. We thank you, God, that we have a place to come where you can touch us and heal us and help us. Lord, bless us today as we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverge.com forward slash give. You can also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. 
You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience, and we look forward to staying connected with you.